Time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. And uh, we are happy to sit in today and talk some Kentucky sports with you. The man just told you how to reach us. Uh, it's better if you're going to tweet to tweet me at Big Blue Insider 1. That is the title of my show that airs here in Lexington Monday through Friday, the Big Blue Insider. But uh, we'll be happy to talk with you. But there is much to discuss right now. This Kentucky-Florida game, it's interesting how many years was this the game that decided the SEC championship and that is why this has become the rivalry game. It's why it is at the end of the season. CBS loves it. It will be on CBS. You've got two ears, so you can listen to the TV with one and the radio with the other. It's not hard to sync up if you've got a DVR. Sync up uh, if you were listening on your phone, on iHeart, uh, and a TV. And it's going to be the kind of game where you want to see how the Wildcats bounce back. How does Kentucky respond to the loss to Tennessee and are the reports of the unrest involving Ashton Hagens anything to consider? So we will see. My guess is they've, they've worked that out. I remember when that, the same thing happened with John Wall when he was here and a little unhappy. And he, he and Calipari got together and they worked it out. But we'll see. Uh, but, again, that game is tomorrow tip-off at 1 o'clock. Network pregame begins at 11.30 with Dave and Rex. So uh, you've got your radio right where you need to have it if you want to listen. Uh, let's get caught up on other Wildcat news of the day presented by Cardinal Point Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. You know about the men's game. And, of course, the U.K. women play tonight in the Southeastern Conference Tournament. The Wildcats earn the number three seed and will take on number six, or rather number six Tennessee, which beat eleven seeded Missouri last night. This game will happen at about eight thirty tonight uh, at the Bon Secours Wellness Arena down in Greenville, South Carolina, one of my favorite cities. And uh, it's a Kentucky team that won its final home game, beating Georgia. But like the men coming off a loss right now, uh, blew a huge lead and lost to Vanderbilt down in Nashville. So uh, the women kind of have to get their heads back on straight. And it's a challenge for Matthew Mitchell, but it's a team that it's, it's the kind of team nobody wants any part of them uh, when it, when the pressure's on because of the defense they play. They finished 21-7, 10-6 in league play. And keep this in mind, this is a team that, while it wants to win everything it can this year and make as deep a run as it can in the NCAA tournament, because of a transfer and an, and an injury and recruits coming in, they're sitting on a huge year next season. So it's a young team. They are building toward next year. They do. They did say goodbye to five seniors, but Ryan Howard's only a sophomore, and they got a lot of other young talent. So it's a team to keep an eye on. And the Wildcats, thirty-five and forty in the SEC tournament, sixteen and twelve under Matthew Mitchell. So again. UK Network coverage starts at around 8.15 tonight with Darren Hedrick. UK baseball has been rescheduled for this weekend. The series with Bradley is off. You may have heard this. They have canceled that series because a former Bradley baseball player died in a plane crash 
this week, just devastating, as you can imagine, the team as former teammates and coaches. And so in order to allow the players, staff, family, friends to attend a memorial, Bradley has respectfully declined to come down and play here. But thanks to the good graces of the folks uh, at EKU, Norfolk State, and Oakland University, there will be baseball. Norfolk State and EKU move their game tomorrow to noon, so Norfolk State will come to Lexington and play at 6 p.m., and then Oakland U will come into Lexington and play a doubleheader on Sunday. So 6 o'clock tomorrow night with Norfolk State for the Baseball Wildcats, and then a doubleheader starting at noon on Sunday with Oakland U. When we come back, we'll talk with Mark Story of the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. You're listening to The Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats. One of the UK note I just saw on Twitter, Ali Stumler, who is a star in the making at UK, talking about volleyball. She has been named to the U.S. Collegiate National Team Gold roster. So uh, another opportunity for her to hone her skills against some of the best in the country. We welcome now our first guest of the morning, Mr. Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. How are you today, sir? Good, Dick. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I'm going to go to the Twitter feed right away because we've already got a couple of questions about things that you cover. And you tweeted about Eastern Kentucky having a big year, Mark. And uh, Kyle Cooper has tweeted at us and said he expects a really nice game tonight between EKU and Belmont, as well as Austin P and Murray State, a pro-Murray crowd down there. But uh, I don't know about you, how many times you've covered the OVC tournament. It's always a lot of fun, isn't it? Yeah, we used to cover it. I, I used when I I actually when it was in Nashville, it was a great trip, uh, it, and it was fun. And you know, it, it's the OVC's sort of on an uptick in recent years. You know, they had two teams and they got two teams in, and both teams yep. won a game last year with Murray State and Belmont. Obviously, the John Morant factor, mm-hmm. and, but you know, this year you have the top four seeds, you know, through to the semifinals, and yeah, I think that'll be a, an, an interesting doubleheader and EKU. This is the first time they've even made the OVC tournament, much less the NCAA tournament since 2015. So, you know, it was a, a, a it was program progress for A.W. Hamilton in his yeah. second year to get Eastern back in the uh, back in the OVC tournament, and now they you know they've advanced, and it'll be interesting to see uh, see how they play against Belmont tonight. And for his efforts, he's been named the OVC Coach of the Year, so he's off to a great start. In Richmond, William has tweeted at us wanting to know, will Johnny Juzang get more minutes slash touches tomorrow, which kind of dovetails into the questions about Ashton Hagens. Is that something you believe, Mark, that U.K. fans should be concerned about? Well, I think the point guard play has been a bit of a concern down the stretch. Nah, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I've started to feel a little bit sorry for Ashton just in terms of the level of scrutiny he's, he's fallen under. But you know they have you know they have been turning the ball over. Uh, you know that there was a ten game stretch where Ashton was averaging just under four turnovers a game, and you know, that I think if you check against uh, teams that 
win the national championship or even past Kentucky teams that have won the national championship, they're usually not turning it, turning it over at quite that rate at the point guard position. So, yeah, I do think that is a concern. Now, whether that leads to more clock and more touches for Johnny, you know, I, you know, I think that's very much to be determined. I think probably the best outcome would be to get, you know, just to get Ashton back on the beam. Tennessee it looked like in the second half borrowed a page from Auburn, at least the, the the Auburn team that beat Kentucky down on the plains, and then by that I mean just basically banging and playing physical basketball and knowing the referees can't and won't call everything. Is that the blueprint for a win over this Kentucky team, in your opinion? Well, it certainly has been a blueprint for giving them problems, and you know Kentucky's bigs, you know, Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery, are both kind of tall, willowy types, mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, I think the book on Kentucky is you, you play super physical, and, you know, Kentucky, the last couple of games, has had a lot of hard time, it's had a hard time getting its post game established, they, they, they've had a hard time feeding the post, and, and, it, and it seems to me Nick's had a hard time holding his position, so, yeah, I think that is something, you know, the NCAA tournament is always you know, so reliant on matchups, and just how you match up, yeah. and, you know, if you're, if you're a Kentucky fan, I'd think what you're one thing you're rooting for is not to get paired against big physical burly front lines you're going to get that at some point yeah you just want to make sure that it happens in the final four if at all possible i mean you don't have any control over it but uh and and i don't know about you but you you've seen a few tournaments as i have and you almost expect from every team kind of having an off game I've, i've heard many coaches say you know, you're not going to be perfect. Maybe it happens once in a while, but in all six games, if you make a run, so you've got to be able to withstand that off game in the tournament. Do you think this Kentucky team is equipped to do that? It's a tremendous question. Yeah, you usually you have to dodge a bullet, and once you've done it, then you become you know very dangerous. You know, on the one hand, Kentucky has played a ton of close games and has usually won them, so that should be good preparation yeah. for the tournament. On the other hand, the fact that they are in so many close games, and for whatever reason, and you know, there are I think multiple reasons they're not really able to put teams away, and mm-hmm. it finally came back and bit them. You know, Tuesday night against Tennessee, I think that's a little worrisome. So you know, that, that to me is kind of a thing. You can, uh, I, I think that comes down to kind of are you a glass half full or glass half empty? Is that viewpoint on this team? Because I think I think there are arguments either way for reasons to be optimistic about them in that kind of game, but there's also reasons, I think, to be concerned. But if there's one thing I believe that should give Kentucky fans hope, based on, and, and I've credited you and, and I've complimented you in person on the piece you did, you did a takeout on the free-throw shooting that has cost John Calipari's team and cost his resume dearly, but this is a team that can hit free-throws. It's already proven that. Yeah, that's correct. And I was actually looking on, I'm trying to remember where I saw it. I was looking on some kind of basketball metrics website and they were pointing out that the team that shoots the higher free throw percentage or the team that entered the NCAA tournament in matchups, the, the team with the higher free throw percentage, you know, filled like 14 of the 16 sweet 16 slots. So that, you know, high free throw percentage yeah. can be an indicator of, of, of NCAA tournament success. The other thing that I think Kentucky does have that can be tremendously helpful in the NCAA tournament, you have not one but two players in 
Emmanuel quickly and Tyrese Maxey. And when you need a basket, they're capable of putting the ball on the on the deck and going and get getting yep. you a basket. And, and I think that is a tremendous NCAA tournament luxury to have a player like that on both wings. And that's a big reason why the Cats do shoot a lot of free throws. They get to the rim, and when they get there, they make them. Mark Story's our guest. We'll have more with the Herald-Leader columnist when we come back. You're listening to The Leach Report. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for The Voice. And a reminder, the guests on the Leach Report come to you on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline. We are talking with Mark Story, a columnist for the Herald Leader. And uh, you see his work as well on Kentucky.com. Uh, Mark, is this going to be a crazy, fun NCAA tournament? Will it be one that enrages us? Because of officials, uh, will we decry the lack of quality play? It's hard to tell with this season's college basketball. Yeah, it really is. I think everybody, well, I think a, a large majority of people think the tournament is going to be just completely wide open and, you know, that the pool of teams with a legitimate chance to both make the Final Four and to cut down the nets at the end is, is larger than normal. Um, sometimes when you know, I, I think when that emerges as the conventional wisdom, I almost wonder if we won't look up and there'll be like you know three number one seeds in the final yeah. four. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's it's it, 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 it at least on paper, you know, other than you know maybe Kansas and maybe Baylor, you know, a lot of the the, the most impressive resumes are teams from outside the Power Five conference. That's right. You, know, you look at Dayton; that's just had an unbelievable season. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Alabama fans are like, you know, hey, Anthony Grant, where was this in Tuscaloosa? And um, you look at Gonzaga, which, you know, at this point, they're not in a Power Five conference. Right. But they are an elite-level basketball program and, and, and should be considered as such. And you look at San Diego State, a team that, you know, mm-hmm. has flown under the radar pretty much has just had a tremendous season. You know, you've got a lot of the, the teams with the most impressive resumes are not, you know, real, you know, brand-name, you know, Duke, Kentucky, you know that level program. So I think that adds a level of mystery to the tournament that I'm that I'm excited about to kind of get a sense for you know just you know how good are these teams you know that sort of are playing off Broadway so yep. to speak. Wouldn't you love to see Dayton jump in there? Uh, and you're right about Anthony Grant. Of course, he didn't have an Obi Toppin in Tuscaloosa, but that it's up to coaches to go out and find and develop those players. But what a great story that would be. Yeah, Dayton is a great basketball town, and I don't. And, and I, I, the University of Dayton Arena is one of the great quirky yes. basketball arenas. I really like that arena. I've, yep. I've covered NCAA tournament games there, and it, it's really cool—a really cool arena. You know, just kind of a quirky setup, but they've made it also made it modern. And, and, and there's a lot of basketball enthusiasm and passion in the mm-hmm. city of Dayton. They really support the. The first four, and you know, you know, the the the, the, NC, of the NCAA tournament, yep. and, and and there's tremendous passion for the Flyers. So yeah, if they could make a run in the tournament, I think that would be a huge could could become a really nice national story and give you know, Dayton recognition as a basketball town that it, it that it deserves. One of the greatest moments in UK basketball history, actually two of them, happened in Dayton when Kentucky upset Indiana in '75 and ruined that perfect season. And then in 78, 
won its way to the Final Four by winning the regional there. So you're right. Uh, that city just uh, is, is great when it comes to tradition. I was watching a little bit of Illinois-Ohio State last night. I really like Illinois-Ohio State came back and won, but I think that just underscores maybe this is the year for the Big Ten, you know, that's got uh, talent up and down. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Part of what makes the NCAA tournament interesting is we form opinions about conferences. And, and you know, the Big Ten, you know, looks like it deserves, you know, a deep level of respect. And the metrics, you know, certainly suggest that. Conversely, the the, the view of the SEC is it's not very good, and, right. and that's what the metrics say. Now, I remember, I think it was 2006, for most of the year, we thought the SEC wasn't very good. And then you looked up in the NCAA tournament, and, and Florida and LSU <laughs> were in the Final Four, and Florida won it all. That's now, I'm right. not predicting that for the SEC this year, but I am going to be curious to see once the tournament starts if the team, the leagues and the teams we think are good, starting with the Big Ten, if that if that holds up in the tournament, and if some of the leagues you know that don't look to, look as strong, and frankly, that is both the SEC and, and really the ACC. I'm anxious to see if you know they can sort of defy that perception in the tournament. I got about a minute left, but you and I have talked on my show before about the the emphasis put on basketball in the SEC. Is this just the pendulum swinging right now that the SEC is not really strong this year? Yeah, I think it. I think it is. I mean, I think. I think the league has gotten better. I think the coaching's gotten better with Rick Barnes in the league and yeah. Bruce Pearl back in the league. And, and and I think you know I think the SEC was really good last year when Kentucky and Auburn played to go to the mm-hmm. Final Four. And I think there's been a you know there's a fair amount of attrition in terms of you know talent exiting the league. And, and sure. I, I do I think it's just kind of a cyclical thing that the league is down or is perceived to be down this year. Mark, thank you so much for your time, and uh, are you going to uh, be traveling soon? I do not have to go to the SEC tournament, but I will be traveling uh, in, after that for the, for the NCAA. Gotcha that. So uh, you'll, be, you'll be observing everything from the, the comfort of your own home for at least for a little while. Yeah, the, the home experience. That's good. Oh, you deserve that every now and then. I know you don't mind getting out and doing a job, but every now and then it's good to uh, do it from the living room. Thank you, sir. We'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me. No problem. That's Mark's story of the Herald-Leader, and uh, he is a guy who has – he can spin a good yarn. He tells a good story. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. And a reminder that guests for the Leach Report – are always considered special. And the Leach Report, of course, is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We're back in a minute on the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for The Voice, who will call Kentucky, Florida tomorrow on the U.K. radio network, most of these same stations. Our next guest, who is brought to us, of course, by the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline, is a friend of the Leach Report. He's been on my show as well here in Lexington. Mr. Mike DeCourcy, one of the premier basketball writers, well, just writers, period, in the country at the Sporting News. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Dick. How are you? I am very well. Thank you very much. And i got to think this is the time of year where your toes begin to really tingle. You you love your college basketball. You are an expert in the tournaments are on the way, and I say conference tournaments. What's this time of year like for you? 
Well, I, it the the in advance this weekend uh, and the week pri- the week we're concluding is is really busy, uh, and then once the games start going, once I get through maybe Monday or Tuesday when we announce our coach of the year and player of the year, things calm down a little, and I can enjoy next week. Although now that I'm doing the brackets for Fox. Right. And I have to produce a bracket every day from Wednesday to Sunday. I can't say for sure that that relaxation is going to come this time. We'll have to see. <laughs> you do wear a lot of different hats, so I guess that will play into my next question. How do you decide what you're going to do or where you're going to go for the NCAA tournament? Well, for me, it's always about geography. Uh, it, it's, it's that simple. Uh, it, you know, in this age – don't spend any money you don't have to spend right. is sort of a media. Uh, and so, and actually this year, you know, uh, in terms of conference tournaments, I, I have Big Ten network obligations every year, so okay. I go to wherever that is. And that's been, and this year it's Indianapolis where I live, and in the past three years it's been in D.C., New York, and Chicago, so it's moved around a bit. And then for the NCAAs, uh, when there's a site in Louisville or a site in Lexington or a site in Columbus or somewhere like that. Uh, the, those are, you know, those are easy drives. Sure, so sure. so I, will do, I will do that. And this year, uh, it's the easiest drive of all. Uh, the regional in the Midwest is in, is in Indianapolis. So ah, that's an easy one. Yeah. And as a member of the Big Ten Network, of course, you've watched the evolution of that league this year. Uh, and it, it appears to be uh, the the strongest league for whatever that although the committee says it does not consider conferences except for where they're going to play schools but I'm watching some of that Ohio State Illinois game last night really like Illinois Ohio State comes back to win uh, just how strong is this league in your opinion you know what it is more than anything Dick it is incredibly deep and that's the difference with this league and a lot of others that have preceded it and you know I I in, Early on in my career in 1990-91, I covered the Big East. I covered. I was in. I was working in Pittsburgh then, and I covered yeah. the Panthers, and they were in the Big East at the time. And that year, there were nine members in the league, and seven of them got to the tournament, and an eighth could have. Uh, Rick Barnes's Providence missed by a little at 17 and 13 that year, and it, that league was incredibly deep and 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 outstanding and. I think the difference with this one is somewhat volume, and, and, and by volume I don't mean the number of teams that are really high quality, but also the number of games they play. Sure. In that 91 season, they, those teams played a double round robin. There were nine members. They each played eight games oh, home and road, man. so it was only 16 games. Now the Big Ten is playing 20. And yeah. so basically there's almost nowhere to hide. I mean, last night, you know, in a lot of leagues, in a lot of good leagues, the the north the the illinois uh effort on the road would have been good enough to win in a mm-hmm. lot of gyms mm-hmm. and it wasn't good enough because ohio state's terrific and in a lot of gym in a lot of circumstances uh the ohio state win performance would have been good enough to earn a blowout but uh, not against that illinois team and that's mm-hmm. kind of the way it's been for for the big 10 all year and I, it bothers me that i hear people who i think should know better talking about how the teams in the league are inconsistent or this or that. Well, they're inconsistent because every time they turn around, they're running into a brick wall. That's right. There's no chance to build a consistent consistency when every team that you play just about, with the exception, obvious exceptions of Nebraska and Northwestern, right. has, has a pro on it, 
has you know has has multiple players who can hurt you. Uh, Minnesota's two games under five hundred with two guys who are probably going to play in the NBA. Wow. And Richard's not doing a bad job. He just hasn't. He doesn't have enough guys, and he's in a league that if he, if he took this same team into maybe six, maybe four of the top six leagues, he'd at least be safely in the tournament right now. On the, on the heels of the Kentucky loss to Tennessee, where Calipari said at halftime he thought he had a Final Four team, and at the end of the game he didn't know what he had. Uh, <laughs> I've got to think that more now than ever. It's it's going to be about matchups for Kentucky in the NCAA tournament, and I see some teams in the Big Ten. I'm thinking they don't match up very well with those teams. Well, you know, the interesting thing about Kentucky is it hasn't seemed really to matter much who they play. That that they're going to be in the game. It, it's they're not going to get far away, and they're not going to get far behind. And it, it's going to be a game going into the final 10 minutes, and Kentucky has been really masterful in those 10 minutes until Tuesday. Yep. I wrote a column last Saturday, I think, after the, after the Auburn win that broke down how they play down the stretch. Of, uh, of, of, it, I think at that point the winning streak was eight games. and right. I, I went through the final eight minutes of each of those eight games, and I broke it down into four-minute increments. And how did they do in the first, the eight to, eight to four, and then four to one. And they were, they, they just, they've owned almost every segment of that. And, and they, and the free throw shooting in that period was incredible. And yes. some of that is guys got to step up and make shots at the line. But the bigger part of it is you got to get the guys at the line. They're going to step up and make the shot. That's right. That's the difference. I mean, when, when Calipari had the 08 Memphis team and everybody talked about how poorly they shot free throws and the percentage was bad. But if you kept the ball in the right hands, more often than not, it was going to turn out okay, as long as yeah. it was in Rose's hands or Chris Douglas Roberts. I mean, those guys were not great. They shot right. about 70, 75, something like that. Now, these guys are great. So it, what was fascinating to me as I looked through those numbers was, you know, they were shooting like 88% in the final eight minutes from the foul line. Wow. But almost all of the attempts were taken by Ashton, Emmanuel, and Nick. Yep. Almost all of them. I, mean, I, I should have gone ahead and broken that down, but it was overwhelming how many of those free throws were taken and, making by, made, by, taken and made by those three players. And then occasionally it was Tyrese, and then very, very rarely was it anyone else, EJ or whoever. Right. And I think that's a big part of why they were successful. I don't know what went wrong. What, they, they, they just got haywire on Tuesday night, and I, I'm not going to put much... I'm not going to put that much into that. I, I can't. Uh, because if we do that, then there's nobody that's any good. Because right. almost everybody goes that's out right. and pitches a bad one. Exactly right. Mike DeCourcy is our guest. He's with the Sporting News, and we'll have more with Mike when we come back on the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach. We're talking basketball, of course, with Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News. With the SEC tournament about to begin, one game left in the regular season. And, Mike, I don't know about you, but I was not surprised to see LSU because of its schedule with the early lead in the SEC. But I was a little surprised that Kentucky locked up the SEC regular season championship with two games remaining. This Florida game often has decided the champion, and yet 
it's it's going to be a good game, but it, you know it, it'll figure into seeding perhaps. But that's about it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I what's interesting is that it's a good thing that the Wildcats won on Saturday yep. because I think if they hadn't, they would have locked it up by LSU losing to A and M. And you don't want to you don't want to nah. win a championship like that if you can avoid it. You want to win a championship, but you'd rather do it yourself. So that was good. You know, I am surprised at how much LSU has struggled of late. I, they have they have point guard issues, but uh, one would think that with the talent that they have, that they could somehow fight through it in a league that offers opportunities uh, to succeed, and yet they haven't been able to do that. Uh, the same with Auburn's fade of late. Uh, they're they're really struggling to find to a formula, and honestly, I. I I thought that there was enough there for them to be better than this, and, and they were better than this for a long time. I, I would I would say that this, that by their performance on Tuesday, the Wildcats have increased the importance of this game. Yes, if they had if they had taken care of business at home, I think that a, a loss here would have been forgiven because Florida's good. They're going to be in the tournament. They, they're you know they're they're tough to play at home. One would expect that they would have a reasonable crowd for their senior day and all that. And so a lot of people would have looked at it like, well, they're going to lose sometime. They're not going to go into the tournament winning 12 in a row more than likely. Right. So, uh, so it would have been sort of, uh, a, a, you know, a, a given a pass to some extent. It certainly hurt their case for a two seed. Oh, yeah. But I, as I was working on my bracket this morning that, uh, that will be released later today, there are right now, for those first three lines, which is 12 teams, there are 13 candidates. Oh. It's really hard to knock the last one off. So anybody that opens the door, whether it's Creighton by losing at home tomorrow to Seton Hall or the Wildcats if they lose on the road to, uh, to, to Florida or if Duke were to lose somehow against Carolina or whatever, anybody that's in that 2-3 range that says we don't want to be on this line there's a spot for them because it's yeah. like I said. There are 13 rock solid candidates for 12 for those 12 spots, and there and then and then after that, it's a pretty significant drop off on the four line. And so you don't want to you know you don't want to give the committee the you know the easy tool that they're right. looking for. Right. Tell everybody where they can see your bracket. Yeah, it it'll appear uh, probably early afternoon uh, at CBB on Fox on Twitter. Uh, they also have an Instagram and Facebook account as well. I believe it's CBB on Fox on on Facebook as well. I am not an Instagram person, so I don't know how You're that forgiven. works. I mean, I, I so uh, so and, and as well, I will once it's posted share it on at TSN Mike my Twitter account. Excellent. Yeah, it's interesting when you were talking a little bit about Kentucky's last game, and I I was thinking about. Uh, we were in Calipari's office yesterday working on uh, a couple of things, among them the special that WKYT will air called Legend to Legend. It's, it's John Calipari interviewing Joe B. Hall about U.K. Ooh. basketball. It's going to be really good. Uh, That's Steve, great. Steve Moss is, uh, is producing. That's first documentary he's ever produced. And what a great idea. What a great topic. But in, in a conversation with Calipari, he brought up again how excited everybody gets when Kentucky comes to town and when they play Kentucky. And I thought about that Auburn game. You referenced Auburn. Uh, and thankfully, Mike, he did not invoke the Super Bowl reference that he so loves. But, but, but I realized, having covered this program for four decades, I realized he's correct when he says basically 
when Kentucky comes in, or even when teams come to election with nothing to lose and they play their hearts out, it's like an NCAA tournament game and has that feel to it very often. Sometimes it's a wipeout, but oftentimes teams dig down and play their very, very best, and it does have that kind of feel. i got to think that's a heck of an advantage, even for a young Kentucky team. Yeah, you know, I, I prefer the analogy to Super Bowl because I, 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 I'm one who thinks that you know the difference is in if you if Kentucky played someone like that in the NCAA tournament, a lot of times that team's going to look at it and say, "Oh man, you know we lose this game, our season's over," and they get nervous and all that. But right. uh, you know what, what what Tennessee came in was with absolutely literally nothing to lose. That's right. They, you know, they, that, and that's the difference. Yep. That's the re- that's that's a that's a feeling that is an advantage, you know, for the. It's like you're behind by 20 points or 18 points or whatever number you want to put up there, yep. and you start chucking threes because you <laughs> aren't getting back any other way. And if they miss, you're losing anyway. Yeah. And so why not? And then the ball starts to go in, and you know, three or four of them, you know, start to go in, and then the leading team, like one, gets you know kind of nervous that they're going to lose mm-hmm. what they had, and two also is of the awareness that. If they chuck threes, it's bad because you don't yeah. want to. You know, you don't want to give the opposition runouts, and you don't want to. You know, you don't want to take lower percentage shots in when you're up twelve or fourteen or whatever the number is. And so that's kind of where, where t- Tennessee was. Yes, on, on Tuesday, right. it's not quite the same for Florida because Florida still has a ton to gain. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, 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 I suppose one could say they don't have much to lose. I don't know what their positioning would be relative to the SEC tournament, but relative to the NCAA's, they're going to be in. They're probably going to be in an 8-9 game. They could maybe find a way by winning Saturday and then doing exceptionally well in the SEC tournament to get out of that game and and climb to a 7. But it's not, you know, it's not very tangible. So for them, it's, you know, it's just the, you know, the opportunity to get you know the glory of winning the Kentucky game, yeah. and you know, and whatever advantages that might bring, they don't have a lot to lose, and so that is an advantage for them. Couple minutes left with Mike DeCourcy. Speaking of Florida, how surprised are you, Mike, that the Gators have sputtered a bit this year and haven't been more of a factor in the race? Well, I went to see they played in Indianapolis against Butler early December, okay. and I went to see them play. And I, you know, I, we had rated them pretty highly based on the recruiting, and you know, we like Andrew Namhard enough, and and then they brought in Blackshear from Virginia Tech, and Scotty Lewis was an right. elite level recruit who I hadn't seen, um, but I, but you know, was listed as top twelve or fourteen or whatever, and I went to see them play, and they were not impressive at all. They were not connected. They were not. They they were not cohesive. And at that point, Mike White was really disappointed in the way his guys were were functioning. With high, they just did not seem to be a team, and didn't seem to have all that much interest in becoming one. Sometimes guys aren't a team because it just hasn't clicked yet. But they they're trying, mm-hmm. and you could tell that day they were not. And so from that standpoint, I'm you know I'm happy for Mike that they finally have started to play basketball together, and they're not great. We probably overestimated Blackshear's impact there, and Scotty has not been a game-changing freshman, and there have been, as you know, very few of those this year. Yeah. And so all of it together, it's probably a little bit less than it could have been, but I would say now that given the nature of this freshman class, we should have known better than to expect 
a guy who was a you know a wing coming in and in, in the top fifteen of this class. We should have known better than to expect that him that he would be he would excel. Uh, I, we'll see what happens with the future. I hope he understands that uh, this is this is not a short term project for him. Yep, Scotty. I mean, he's he. I think he can be an NBA player, but I don't think he can be one next year. So we'll see what happens uh, next year. And, and that'll you know if he comes back, that'll be good for the SEC. They they need guys to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah, and the poster child for that's Nick Richards. If anybody wants to know, uh, you know, don't worry about early expectations. Do what is best for you and your game, and do what's right. And uh, you could, and, uh, but no matter where he ends up, uh, I think you'll agree Nick Richards has a bright future. Mike DeCourcy, a regular guest on this program. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Thank you, sir, and I hope you have a wonderful tournament time. Thanks, Dick. It was delightful to talk to you. Good talking to you again. And we will take a break. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach on the Leach Report, brought to you by Wild Egg. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back, Dick Gabriel, in for Tom Leach on the Leach Report. Brought to you by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And another UK note, tip of the cap, Lynn Bowden picks up his trophy. He was named the Horning Award winner back in December, but the ceremony was yesterday. And Lynn, of course, breaking school records for uh, career and single-season rushing yards by a quarterback. He was an AP All-SEC first-teamer. At the all-purpose position, he broke the SEC single-game rushing mark for a quarterback at 284 yards, eighth nationally in all-purpose yards. You already know the yardage, but the the story, but it bears telling again. Uh, it'll be Kentucky, Florida tomorrow on most of these same stations. Tom Leach and Mike Pratt will have the call for you. And again, the UK women tonight against Tennessee at about 8.30. Darren Hedrick with pregame at 8.15 tonight. My thanks to Tim Anstead and to Shannon over in Louisville. For the help today, thanks to all of you for joining us here on the Leach Report. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next.